Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, Jane, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Corey. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's amazing. I was I was actually really glad when, um, you know, I think probably, what was it, about six weeks ago or a month ago, I posted on Twitter and, you know, asked for who would be open to coming on to fill in for Chris. And uh, I think, was it was it Benedict that um, that offered your name up? I think so. That's I one of so. the one of the perks of having co-founders. You can pitch <laughs> each other. Right. Uh, shamelessly <laughs> <laughs> instead of self-promotion it's co-founder promotion you can just yeah yeah talk to them of course no but i was i was really excited when he mentioned you um because you were one of the people you know i i sort of thought at first i was like oh i should just reach out to all the other people who do kind of like the bootstrap podcasts um but then i thought you know it'd be fun to have jane on there as well because you do a couple of podcasts but you don't have like the you know the bootstrap or weekly kind of podcast and so um I'm, i know i'm really curious just, you know, what your day looks like, what your week looks like, where you guys are in your journey. I've also kind of like fallen behind on a bunch of the Bootstrapper podcasts the last like six weeks since uh, since December. It's kind of crazy. So I also don't know a lot. Um, so I'm really stoked to have you on. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely excited. Likewise. Yeah, perfect. Well, um, my week wasn't too exciting and won't be too exciting this week. I don't have like a ton of updates. So if you want, I can kind of go first and just talk through you know, what's new with me, what's on my mind, and then we can hand it over to you and we can chit chat. I'm sure we'll have a bunch of other things we want to talk about. Amazing. Please do guide me because this this format is new for me. I, I always listen to my friends, but I don't have a show like that. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's perfect. And it, you know, it's funny too, because um, uh, I don't know if you've been following all the, the Clubhouse kind of hype, but everyone's on Clubhouse. There's Twitter spaces now. There's, um, I forget the other one. It's, you know, there's a whole bunch of other kind of audio apps these days that are really like, loose long form audio and um so it's it's funny because like people have been doing it through podcasts but it was like kind of like this obscure format but now it's like the format for an app and like everyone's (laughs) all crazy about it it's you know it's the clubhouse thing now so uh but yeah it'll be really easy so um last week i was let's see i launched the everything is marketing trailer so it's the my new podcast called everything is marketing and I managed to get the trailer episode out and um, was you know, working on a bunch of the kind of segments for each one of the guests. And uh, that was like the majority of my week. It's, I don't know about you, but it's kind of funny for me every week, you know, doing a lot of reflection on what did I do? What am I planning on doing? And like literally looking at sort of like your deliverables and, you know, sort of facing them a bit of like, am I proud of this? Am I not proud of this? How do I feel about this? Um, but it feels like last week was kind of like a, a light week, if you can say that as I didn't do like a ton. Um, but this week, the plan is for it to be launch week for everything is marketing. Um, I just have a couple more things I need to kind of do like a spot check for the first 10 episodes I'm going to be launching with and just, you know, listen to a couple of them, give some friends, listen to a couple of them, just make sure like there wasn't anything blatantly like weird about the editing or the sound or you know, parts that were supposed to be cut out weren't cut out or things like that. And then I need to create the show notes, but it's not like a huge task, um, especially for the first 10. And then it's, it's launch week, so I need to get it out there. I'm hoping I can get it out tomorrow. Well, actually today when this publishes, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, 
And so, but I'm really excited to finally have it out. Like I, I started recording the end of October, recorded a whole bunch in November, had some delays with uh, podcast cover art and then the editing delegation and then COVID and Christmas <laughs> and now finally getting around to publishing it. So it feels good to like, you know, three months later, finally get that out the door. Uh, now that it's February, February 1st, it's crazy. And, um, so yeah, I have a couple other things like I'm, I'm really focused on the community as well. So for swipe files, uh, like the main kind of like hub and like thing and value prop now is definitely the community. And so I want to invest more into it. So I'm starting a book club, which I'm really excited to, to kick off. And so mm-hmm. just a couple of community members and I were going to read through a book a month and we're kind of still experimenting with the format, but, um, the thought right now is we'll basically just like create a thread within the community. And then like maybe at the end of the month do like a, a meetup where we talk through it or I don't know, might even have like the author on if they're willing to. Um, but I think that'll be fun. Like I'm, I'm very much, uh, a reader and I love book clubs. I have book clubs with other friends and, um, so I'm stoked to kick that off for the community. And, um, I have another, a couple other like AMAs and workshops I'm working on as well. I have this like show and tell series that I kind of like kicked off and then like stopped to work on some other things, but I'm really excited to, to really invest in the community and really do a lot. And, um, you know, book club, AMAs, workshops, show and tells, like there's all sorts of these different things that I want to get going and I'm trying to, uh, kick off the flywheel for them. So it'll feel good to get, to get those out the door as well. Um, cause I've been really putting a lot of my time towards the podcast and now the podcast is launching <laughs> this week and I'll be able to, uh, divert attention over elsewhere. Well, and, huge um, congrats on the upcoming launch. I know that's, that's a huge deal of work to oh, get yeah. a podcast off the ground. After yeah. that, it's a you, little easier. <laughs> right, right. I know once it's out there, then you just, you know, record the podcast episodes and do a little editing and then publish one by one. But what happened too is I, I knew I wanted to launch with like five or 10. And so I recorded 10, but then I figured, well, I'm, I'm going to need a little bit of a backlog. So I think I recorded 17, but then it was like, oh my gosh, I have to go back and edit 17. I have to create show notes for 17. <laughs> I have to, you know, like then the workload grew exponentially. It wasn't just like I'm launching with five, I have 17 I need to manage and then make sure that I can sort of, once I launch, you know, that I'm not like scrambling again to, uh, to work on things, but you actually just launched a new podcast as well. Um, and how, how did that launch go for you? That, that exactly that's in November and it's really fresh for me, all those feelings of, um, setting up a new one as opposed to running something that has existed for uh, like mm. six years, which is UI Breakfast, the yeah. other old design show of mine. And I was amazed by the, the the amount of decisions and this little like process setting up work you have to do mm. for the new show. And uh, it sounds like it wasn't super, uh, super easy for you either, right? <laughs> no, no, not easy at all. Especially because I'm not like a very technical person per se um i can do some light editing on like GarageBand and stuff but like i don't know anything about audio like quality and you know compressing and like all the like transitions and like to really like finesse it a little bit like this show is cut very rough like there's no editing i just drop in the intro and then like i just leave it basically (laughs) it was not very sophisticated but for a little bit more of like a highly produced uh, a little bit more like thought through official podcasts, like everything is marketing. I wanted to make sure that I could put more time into it, 
but I knew that I couldn't do that myself. And so it was difficult, like giving a little bit of direction on, Hey, here's what I'm looking for. Here's like some examples, of some other podcasts and here's how they do things. I don't know how to tell you what to do, but like, this is the end result that I want. <laughs> so go figure it out or, you know, can you, can you make it work basically? And that was essentially how I had to, to figure it out. Tell us more about the show. What What is the concept? Um, who are the guests? Are you pr- particularly proud of uh, any of the episodes or are all of all of them your favorites? Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm really excited and, and actually proud for how it's been coming out. I put a lot of thought into not just creating another like podcast, especially another interview based podcast, because it's like everyone, their mom does it. And they're, and it's because they're <laughs> great. Like podcast is the perfect medium for that kind of thing. Like, you know, Q and a over text, it reads really dry and boring. Um, over a video, it can feel a little bit forced, even although video podcasts are kind of picking up and I think that they're great, but like audio is the perfect place to just like hear someone talk and banter and in an interview. Um, so I, I wanted to do an interview-based podcast, but I didn't want to do just another one. And sort of the, the core thesis behind Swipe Files is also permeating into everything is marketing is this is kind of like my approach and like my thing for marketing. But I have difficulty like really explaining and articulating it very clearly is essentially exploring marketing, all of its facets and dimensions beyond just like the here's the, you know, here's SaaS marketing, here's e-commerce marketing, but like, hey, what can we take from e-commerce marketing into the world of software? And like, what do uh, people who are, you know, authors, um, what can they teach us about uh, marketing for whatever you're doing or even customer success or, you know, like all these different types of roles and people you can really, uh, I mean, swipe file, right? It's like you steal ideas from other industries and people and um, you sort of finesse them and remix them for yourself. And so, the podcast is basically like the audio swipe file for all these different people and their knowledge and their <laughs> expertise. And, um, it's a little bit more long form too. I, I, I usually end up and tend to build for myself and I found myself wanting more from the marketing podcast that I listened to that it was very like result driven of here's how X company achieved, you know, this thing and got this many signups. And it was nothing really about, the marketer or the company or like even the strategy was just basically like teasing out a story, which is good, but I really want to know more about the person and how they thought about it. And what's the story behind it? What other things have they done? Um, and so it's kind of like a, you know, Joe Rogan experience meets marketing (laughs) (laughs) for lack of better, um, terms and analogies. But, uh, yeah, the thought is like to, to really explore wide and to get, help people get out of the echo chamber of, whatever industry that they're in, whatever they're used to, and to think outside the box. Well, huge congrats. You, you never named a single person who's going to appear there. Is it like a secret? Yes. No, no, no. I, I will. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> uh, so I forgot the second part of that question. Uh, yeah. The first 10 guests, I, c- I couldn't tell you off the top of my head um, what the order is. I could look actually right now. Um, but to answer your question about who my favorite guest was, I'm really excited because I've also tried to put a little bit work of work into um, the order and, and especially who, like when I was first thinking about launching it, I wanted to launch with, like I said, five or 10. I ended up going with 10 because I, I felt like five might not still communicate kind of like the vision of really like reaching wide for like who, who I'm talking to and like what their skills and backgrounds are. And so a 10, I could really show like, oh, this is going to be like 
all over the place, <laughs> you know, like this is going <laughs> to be, you know, all sorts of different types of people. So, uh, Rand Fishkin, Eric Banholtz, uh, Eric, or, um, April Dunford, Keaton Shaw, Taylor Holiday, Alex Hillman, Dan Murphy, Jay Kunzo, Val Geisler, and then Taylor Lindsay Newell. And Taylor was my favorite episode because one, she's like not, um, in like our world, especially of like, you know, bootstrappers and software and, um, and tech. Uh, but also she just has an amazing story. I found her because she was, t- she was trending on Twitter. <laughs> she, there was like a, a little box and it was basically the story of, um, I think it was the, the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. I believe it was the, the 10 or 11 year anniversary of when she had a really tragic accident, uh, in the gym, she was like training to be an Olympic gymnast. Um, ended up breaking her neck and became partially and fully paralyzed in all of her oh limbs. Um, but it's really overcome a lot of it, uh, not physically entirely, but now like she goes around the world and speaks. Uh, she has a really successful um, tea company that was just featured in Oprah's favorite things. Uh, she's an entrepreneur. She's, you know, very out there. She's very productive. She's, she's happy. She, like she doesn't let anything stop her. And, uh, and so there's this written, the story written about her in the Toronto star, I believe. And I read it, I was just amazed. And so I just DM'd her and said, Hey, you have an amazing story. You know, um, would love to talk to you if you, if you have a couple of days uh, or if you have a day, a couple hours and, um, for this new podcast that I'm making, she was generous, generous enough to come on and share. And we just nerd out, nerd out about all things marketing and she got to tell a story and I think it's going to be a great episode. Awesome. Well, can't wait to give that one a listen. To be yeah. honest, uh, the story that you mentioned, uh, it's like um, one of the ways to sort of uh, evaluate how you've lived your life is um, it's not like I live in constant fear, but I find myself thinking more often than not, like, what's what am I going to do if like my, for example, as a designer, if my vision is taken away from me or if, some, mm. if something like that happens, like how am I going to reimagine myself? Not like keeping up as easy is sort of easy, but what do you do if you're thrown into circumstances like that all of a sudden? That's really uh, more success stories should be good for us. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very sobering uh, kind of thought exercise. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. um, she's a prime example of that. I was I was very impressed. Uh, it was a great conversation. She's very easy to talk to. And so... Yeah. And, and we also, we got to, uh, you know, we got to tell her story, walk through her life and, you know, knew who we were, but we also got to nerd out about marketing as well. And so that was fun too. <laughs> uh, it's a nice little kind of curtail there. So, uh, yeah. So hopefully launching Tuesday or Wednesday have those first 10 and, um, yeah, it's going to feel good to get it out there. But, uh, what I was, I was curious for you going back to when you launched in November, um, cause you have the UI breakfast podcast. You've been doing that for years. Why another podcast? <laughs> cause that was one of the things that came through my mind as well. I was like, okay, I've got this podcast. Like, am I a little bit crazy for trying to do another podcast and there's another <laughs> thing to keep up with, but like, what was your thought process going into it? Yeah, we had a few of those discussions and, uh, UI breakfast is more about, uh, my personal brand and the angle there is UI UX and product design and SaaS. And that I agree that kind of relates to what we do at uh, better done than perfect, the new one. But, um, so it was sort of a break point, like whether do I merge 
my personal identity with UserList entirely and go like full on and abandon everything behind me um, and like dedicate my thousands of people who listen to me like I, I pivot them and don't ask them whether they want to. So and like on take it to live it basis. Is it good? Is it bad? Or is it better to have a like dedicated space to talk about useless angle kind of things? And so one of the examples that I think ADP and I asked me the same question. And uh, he mentioned uh, Nathan Barry, who, well, went kind of all in ConvertKit with his uh, audience. Mm. And I'm just uh, just not ready just yet to give up on, on that audience that has trusted me for many years and uh, merge them into UserList and start talking about UserList stuff only. So uh, that's why we started another show. And the, probably another one was um, for, we wanted to do this also as a, means of content marketing in terms of like expanding our SEO footprint, uh, doing more interesting show notes, like our production quality is really awesome. I'm very proud of that. Our assistant Angie, she writes down detailed recaps for each episode, like wow. a few pages of very nice, concise recap, which is to me amazing. I still am I'm yet to figure out a way how to tell people more about it, but I'm really impressed with the uh, uh, how we how we're putting that out so yeah we just wanted to have a dedicated space and to go full-on quality and uh, just have a separate thing for the brand uh, of user list as opposed to my personal one hope that answers the question yeah no that, that does make sense I, I thought that was probably what it was I do I do think it's a good move and and the right move and especially because you're doing it a little bit more like seasoned base as well right so it's not mm -hmm. just like an ongoing you know, treadmill a little bit, like it, it has a season to it. Yeah, we have uh, topics and themes for the season. For example, season one yeah. was on user onboarding and the other one that we're uh, recording, um, we recorded episode one already with Alex Hillman, by the way, speaking. Nice. Uh, and uh, it's going to be about customer success. So that's the theme. Mm. Um, I'm still not decided whether it's easier to just start something and keep going treadmill-like because it takes certain mental effort to like, oh, let's decide we are going to do the season, like sit down and put together a lineup for the season and such. While with the ongoing show, you just have this, you know, spreadsheet of people you want to bring on and it just keeps going smooth and nice. So maybe... Maybe it's the pressure of the new show that, you know, you put extra thought into the order of episodes. And mm. for the old one, it's it's kind of all right, you know, that uh, you have the credit of trust from the audience already. And they're not going to judge you by the order of episodes that much. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's um, I can totally see that. I, I, I went through the same thought process as well. Of like, well, should I do seasons or not seasons? And um, even the themes as well. That was my original mm -hmm. concept was, uh, you know, maybe the, like the first um, season or the first like series would be all about like uh, user research and customer research. And then the second one would be copywriting. And the third one would be positioning. But I, I kind of gave up on that idea. <laughs> and it could, this could be a mistake because I felt like I would be moving too slow. Like I, I would want to just get to, you know, all the different ones so that I could kind of like uh, deliver on the promise of the show of it being like, you know, learn all, you know, let's explore marketing all its facets and dimensions. So I figured it would maybe be better to kind of like pepper it in and kind of spread it out and just 
have it be a little bit more random. Um, but I, I think that for you, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I really like that. It definitely comes off as a little bit more, uh, or a lot more thought out and produced and professional. <laughs> uh, one of the names you mentioned, Jay Kanzo, I think he's a big one on the podcast production. Um, mm-hmm. He likes heavily edited shows and stuff like right. that. So that's exciting. One thing I can I can share about how we named the episodes. So we originally went in with the theme for the season. So it was like user user onboarding with this uh, guest, another guest, another guest, and and suddenly there was still need for um, topics or titles or anything. And again, we came back to the mm. same conclusion that in addition to the theme, we do need topic for each guest so that like we all stay focused and. Uh, uh, we ended up with some creative names for for the for the episodes in season one, like I don't know carrot sticks and something with some, and, and such and other metaphors. But I think what ultimately works is good old boring, uh, you know, explanatory titles. But I might be wrong. Actually, how are you naming your episodes? Man, that's a good question because I I don't actually know. I'm still a bit undecided. I wanted to keep it a little bit more minimal, and so I thought about even just having like just their name and kind of like leaving it to the show notes uh, and or maybe whatever it is that they're usually associated with if you know that person already. Um, I thought about, you know, do I add numbers? Do I not add numbers? Uh, Do I have like some sort of, you know, colon or parentheses or brackets that has like a couple of keywords in there? Um, But actually, I don't know. I'm not decided yet. So that's (laughs) one of the other things. (laughs) <laughs> to add to the to-do list that's like a mental load uh, just uh, just like we discussed a few minutes before like with with a show that's already kind of established you don't have to think about that you just have the format right. and uh, you keep producing and producing that so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and because i mean i don't oh. want to go back and change it right so like <laughs> you have to put in the work now to make that decision it's a good thing it's still not set in stone like you're you're still going to have the rss and uh uh, you can always try something new there, right? right. You're yep. not losing the subscribers. One thing, one thing uh, with a new show, the uh, I'm 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 wishing you good luck with the number of listeners, but it's just uh, it's just incom- incomparable with, <laughs> with something that's been out there for years. So it's mm. like you you yeah. put in so much effort, but of course from day one, it's uh, unrealistic to expect uh, that it's gonna be thousands of people tuning in suddenly like what are your expectations yeah that's a tough one um i i found and i'm sure that you found the same thing based on the analogy that you just gave me is that podcast marketing like growing the listenership is probably like one of the most difficult things uh Mm -hmm. to do especially (laughs) in marketing because it's like it's terribly shareable um it takes a lot of commitment and like you have to be in the right state of mind, situation, like you have to have all the kind of right ingredients. It's very habitual and you have to build uh, a habit, you know, like people subscribing and then tuning in and knowing, you know, when new episodes are coming out. So anyways, my, my expectations are very, very low, but I'm still trying to engineer a sort of launch uh, that will hopefully make like a big enough splash to kind of like kickstart things and get the flywheel moving a little bit faster. Um, so we'll see, but I'm, I'm hoping like, for example, last week, uh, maybe I think I released it like the end of the week before on Friday. Um, I released the, tra- the trailer and I asked people to subscribe. 
Um, so I'm hoping, you know, I get like a little bump of subscribers and then when I launch the 10 episodes, I'll get a fairly big bump of subscribers from people who have already, you know, known about it and, mm-hmm. uh, and then they can share it. And I have 10 people also who can share that they're, you know, that their episode is live as well. So I'm hoping that that will count for something. Um, and just possibly just maybe with, with those things in mind and, you know, my own audience launching to my Twitter, to the newsletter, to the community as well, getting them, them to share that it may just give me a bit of a bump to kind of like go into the new and noteworthy section in iTunes, just possibly maybe. Um, but even, even then regardless, maybe I'll get a couple, a couple hundred downloads or subscribers, you know, rather than 10 or 20. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm really hoping I'll, I'll be in like triple digit territory for each episode early on. Um, but it's, it's really hard. I mean, I'm also, uh, usually, usually pretty averse to like trying to set really hard and fast goals and expectations. Cause it just feels like it's, you know, uh, throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like I have no idea what to expect. I'm, I'm so happy to use this opportunity to ask you as a marketer, um, what is hot on the agenda uh, of other marketers in terms of podcast promotion? Well, once mm. you like launch, okay, sure, you can you can do different things. But once it's live, what can you do? And one of them is, of course, organic growth through the guests themselves. But it's very gradual. What can you do to boost your subscriber numbers? Yeah, the 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 three things I've been thinking about are like one, like your own. Uh, owned audience. So my Twitter, my newsletter, my sort of network of people. Um, two is the guests. So it's an interview show. You have that going for you, getting the guests to share uh, and even trying to get them to share and uh, pass the social media. So um, sending it to their email list or including a link to it somewhere, things like that. Um, and then third is like the, I guess like the podcast SEO and really like Apple's iTunes is the only I guess the Apple Podcasts uh, is the only place where podcasts are really discoverable in that sense of like, you know, the new and noteworthy section or trending podcasts or things like that. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. Like, it's very, very word of mouth. Like, you have to engineer some sort of like virality and word of mouth. And so, like, one of the things I'm trying to bake in is at the end of the show, I'm asking people to hop on Twitter and to thank the guests for coming on. And so, then I'm kind of borrowing the audience of whoever shares and, and thinks the guest or thinks myself or, you know, posts what they learned from the episode. Um, I'm pretty skeptical about how well that'll work and we'll see. I may end up removing that from the outro. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, let's see, what else am I doing about it? Those are definitely the three like big buckets. Everything else just feels like it's a little bit neg- ne- negligible. Like I don't really know if it's going to move the needle um, besides maybe if, someone huge comes on your, 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 your podcast and then they share it. Or if like someone huge randomly shares it and like, cause they listen to it. Um, but otherwise it's, it's very much, it's the long, slow <laughs> podcast ramp of death a little bit. Yeah. In, in the old days when overcast was a bit younger than it is now, mm. you could buy like a promotion for $300 and it would, give you a nice bump in subscribers and it's still done now, but it's now closer to like a thousand dollars per promotion. So it's a little bit getting a little bit outside of the bootstrapper budget. And uh, I think 
Castro, the podcast player, also does these. Um, so we're planning to give it a try in April. And you have to book like a few mm. months in advance. What's so pretty fascinating. But wow, wow, mm. yeah. The, Let's see how it goes. The, yeah, yeah. I thought about that too, but I think, like you said, the the costs are rising pretty rapidly, <laughs> especially <laughs> for me right now. Like I don't know if I could really justify putting that type of money in right now, especially. Um, but the one other thing is I am planning on doing kind of like a intentional podcast tour a bit. So pitching myself as a guest on other podcasts. And, mm -hmm. uh, I think that if, if people would like me or like listening to me, then they might also go and check out, you know, the other podcasts, uh, you know, in addition to swipe files and the newsletter and my Twitter, they might also go to this new podcast. And so, um, kind of doing that tour and borrowing those audience as well could also help but we'll see i'm not really sure well good luck with that it's it's a it's a long and steady journey of growth yeah <laughs> right yeah just kind of go go in it for the long haul and uh and buckle down a little bit you have like a dozen of launches in a row right you launched swi files then it was savvy Callum product hunt and then yeah and then this this is like every <laughs> week a new launch or something is it yeah, I mean that's kind of the thought. It's just trying to build momentum and and do much of new things. And I, that's one of the things I found when I've when I've really studied like what gets. Um, and I don't think I've really done it terribly well. But if you look at the people who really um, have like exponential growth in their audience or in their traction, their users, or whatever it is, like they 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 get some initial inertia, and then they keep building on that momentum, and they really like put their head down. And, uh, and and attack it and, and keep going. Like people who grow their Twitter audiences right now are creating like these ginormous long form threads like every day, basically. And then like it just compounds because just like, okay, I can't not follow this person. Um, people who <laughs> grow their newsletters, like they're, they're publishing prolifically and they're just like getting stuff out there. Podcasts, same thing. Like they're publishing multiple episodes a week and they're really putting a lot into it. Um, users as well. Like I've been following a, you know, I'd followed Drift for a while and they did that really well or for a while they were launching one new thing on Product Hunt every month. Um, but also they were just, they were really good at like product marketing and customer marketing. Uh, we see the same thing at Privy a lot. Um, there's this guy, Paul he, with copy.ai. He's been doing a really go good job of like, you know, doing the whole building a public thing and uh, building a lot of hype around it. Um, we, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical still, but we, the, the team over at Fast, I'm sure you've probably seen Shopify, kind of like one click, Amazon one click button for mm -hmm. for everyone else. Actually, they're not even on Shopify; they're on BigCommerce and uh, Magento, I think. But uh, like they just consistently launch new things and sort of like have a launch, a noteworthy thing uh, at least once a month. So that's what I've been trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do for Derek as well. Um, and I just found that it it's better to do that consistently in a row rather than like really spread out like if you can just build on top of each other it has a uh, a greater effect than if you were to do do them like alone or like further apart mm -hmm, mm -hmm. speaking of Derek I'm uh, I'm gonna again use this opportunity to pick your brain on stuff <laughs> so I know I I just I just talked to Derek for uh, UI breakfast a couple days ago and oh, nice. he mentioned that you're helping him with marketing. So 
for a couple days a week and giving all your you know experience wisdom and leverage and everything how are you spending those two days uh, on an early stage startup like what uh, what's the highest leverage activities you can pursue yeah that's a great question um when when i first started out that was a struggle because i had never you know just worked a couple of days on something you know it's like basically 10 to 20 10 to 15 hours a week which is uh you know two full full days of work essentially and um it really did have me thinking like well what are the really high leverage things that i should be doing that we could do that would make a difference um uh especially like the order of operations like we could work on this thing but like is that the right time to work on this thing or can we work on this other thing that will you know play itself to help this later thing um so when i started i, I tried to go back to the foundation and did some customer research. Uh, I went through April Dunford's positioning exercise and we really put a lot of thought into um, why are people switching to Savicale? What are they switching from? What are the things that are really helping us stand out? Um, are we doing a good job of communicating that right now on the homepage, on different pages? Like are, are there gaps in sort of like the marketing people's understanding of what um, what's holding them back? Especially, you know, we looked at a couple of the I'm really big, big fan. I know you are as well of the jobs we done um, approach, and so mm -hmm. we literally sat down. We had kind of the four forces, um, you know, of like uh, the push away from the current solution, the pull towards the new solution, and um, you know, have anxieties, objections, uh, current allegiances, things like that. And we just made a list of like, hey, for what people have said, you know, what's really um, holding them back from? Uh, like, we know that there's a lot of people that don't like Calendly. But they haven't signed up for Savicale yet. Why is that? And so we saw we saw that a large part of them um, just didn't really understand why or how Savicale was different from Calendly, even beyond the homepage. So we made the Calendly competitor comparison page, where we very descriptively uh, articulated exactly how Calendly is different from Savicale. You know, with Savicale you can do this. With Calendly you can't do this. And it's just like plain English right there in front of people. Um, another one was. Uh, switching so people had a lot of anxiety around well if I'm gonna switch over to Savical I have to you know it's gonna take me like an hour to switch everything over uh, and and get rid of all my current things with Calendly and so we built a, a migration checklist of like hey here's all the things where you probably need to swap out your link um, but also we sort of try to make it easy and communicate uh, and, and address that very specifically of telling you stories about how people thought that it would take them half an hour but it really only took them five minutes to switch over because of Savvy Cal's UX and their UI and sort of the way that it's set up. It's fundamentally different than Savvy or than uh, Calendly. Um, so things like that, right? Really trying to get down to the fundamentals of why people switch. Went through the positioning exercise, redid the homepage, and uh, built a couple of the competitor comparison pages. Um, and then I think what we realized was, uh, oh, we also created an official kind of onboarding email sequence because uh, we just felt like it was very lacking and like we wanted to get something out there. So I spent some time on that. Um, but then when I really thought about it, I thought, you know, Savico has a couple of advantages that other SaaS startups don't. And one is that um, it's a very uh, like fundamental tool to your daily workflow uh, for people who are, you know, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, uh, salespeople, customer success people, podcasters even. And so um, it's going to be used a lot. Like we, we know that much. 
And also it's going to be exposed to people who are not users and they'll be able to use it as a, not as a user. So there's a bit of a, an exposure loop, a viral loop, if you will. And so it felt like really what we need to do is we just need to kind of kickstart things and we need to, um, even just to increase like the number of people who are using it, not even the people who are paying for it necessarily, because the more people who are using it, it's going to sort of do some of the marketing for us. And so, uh, that's why we first did the, the username reservation campaign where, uh, it was basically like, Hey, we're about to launch on Prototime. Um, and we know that there's like a limited number of, you know, usernames in your URL and you want to get your name. So we're reserve it now. We'll hold it for you for 60 days. You can decide if you want to use SavvyCal later, but right now, you know, kind of try to build in some, uh, some FOMO, some scarcity. And then <laughs> we launched on Prototime. Um, and product hunt went fantastically well. We had lots of signups, lots of new customers, um, executed that pretty well. Still ended up being second of the day, which is a bummer because of sort of a, a late run by one of the other, uh, listings of the day. But regardless, it was a really great win. And then we were also featured in the product hunt newsletter, which was like three times as, uh, as good as the actual product. Hunt yeah. Launch. Yeah. <laughs> it went out to hundreds of thousands of people and, um, and that really kickstarted things. And then we've been working on, um, you know, new features, uh, the Calendly buyout. Um, we have a couple other things kind of in, in the roadmap, but really it's all centered around how do we get SavvyCal in front of more people from the users themselves and, uh, and allow that viral loop to kind of take place and to happen organically. So it feels a little bit like cheating because it's not that hard to do that with a product like SavvyCal. Thankfully, <laughs> the product is fantastic and has a lot of really great differentiators so that it's easy for people to, to switch. Um, but I think that it's really like, my, I told him, I was like, look, you're not going to need me in a couple of months if things go well, <laughs> because really what's going to happen is, uh, people are going to use it. It's going to be shared to other people. And then like that momentum is just going to keep going in, in building. And you're not going to need a lot of the traditional marketing things. So I'm just going to do my best to kickstart things for you. And, uh, and then let the product kind of do the marketing for itself. I'm going to name drop a little bit and say that, uh, Savikel is also one of userlist customers. So you've been building that email sequence in the user list. Yep. <laughs> Isn't yep. that great? And it's been amazingly easy <laughs> and, and awesome. Um, I want to say that we, when we started UserList three years ago, we wanted to have this viral loop as well, but it's nearly as powerful because one of the things we didn't consider was the ease of sign up being like major either facilitator of growth mm. or something that can make that viral loop not work. Like in our case, I think it does not work to its full potential because the uh, some of the people who are not too familiar with useless, they consider like hard to set up because it requires work. Well, every email marketing tool requires work. So unfortunately, right. it's a little bit harder than... Uh, savvy cal so absolutely um, it, it's but, there <laughs> but there is hope but there is hope right there is hope but it definitely is uh, a harder battle um it's the same thing you know with uh so one of the things i try to tell people about is and when you're thinking about your marketing plan think about what what really would lend itself to the product um if you have like an enterprise uh you know software platform where you need to sell to the higher ups and you know fortune 500 fortune 1000 companies 
you basically don't even, you shouldn't even do marketing. Like just do sales, just go reach out to those people, build relationships, show up, get in front of them and show the product. If you have a really uh, end user focused product and really um, a product that you know lends itself to be used by people who are not users like Savvy Cal, um, you don't, you also don't need to do a lot of marketing in the sense of like paid advertising or even content and SEO, but you do need to do marketing in the sense of getting people in there to actually use the product. Uh, so like, you know, and then there's like all the space in between, you know, a, a product like userless is somewhere in between there as well, where, you know, there, there's some kind of hour loop, but there's also like a good amount of friction and, and work required to actually get started and use it. Um, but, uh, that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong, right? It just means that different marketing lends itself to different types of products. We had a mentor call uh, at Tiny Seed. We get exposure to some really brilliant minds out there. So we had a mentor call with Hidden Shah, mm. and his uh, insight was like, "I wouldn't touch a product like this with a, uh, I forgot, ten foot pole oh, because pole, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's uh, it, it's really." It, it, it does impede growth, basically. Mm. You've got to be easy to get started if you want to like hit some growth strides in your product journey. But you can still right. make it work. Like We're still going to make it work. It's just uh, a little bit slower than you know the virality of SavvyCal. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's, um, that's one thing to mention, too, is, you know, so again, with the, with the Calendly buyout, one of the big objections that we heard was, well, I just, you know, up to my renewal with Calendly for another year. And so, sorry, but you know, I'll try to catch you next year. So that, okay, well, what if, what could we do to get those people onto SavvyCal uh, and get them off of Calendly? Well, why don't we credit their SavvyCal account for the amount that's left on their Calendly? And that way they won't feel bad about canceling and they can switch before their renewal is up. Um, so that's worked fairly well, probably not as well as we wanted it to. And who knows, the jury's still out and if it could work better. But um, I noticed, for example, with userless, you guys started offering concierge onboarding for companies of a, of a certain size, right? Um, Actually, all I, companies at the moment. All companies. Uh, that's mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, if that's the big friction point, that's the big bottleneck, think about, like, what are all the things that you could do to make that as a no-brainer as possible for someone to switch over? Um, and that, that could be something, right, that increases that growth and helps you get more people in the door quicker it's surprising that not too many people take us up on that and uh, Hmm. i wonder if you could have any tips on how we can promote it better to new users so they they do take advantage of it because it's pretty pretty amazing to have your campaigns and stuff being set up or migrated for example like last friday i spent two hours or more migrating some pretty heavy campaigns from intercom and i'm was pretty great like i'm happy for the outcome for the customer i also got to like dog food our product for three hours Mm. Uh, (laughs) it was great (laughs) right yeah you learn a lot through it yeah i mean it makes me think like um there's a couple things uh there's things you can offer and it you can offer the same thing packaged in different ways and at different times uh to make the most of that same offer right so for something like um the calendly buyout we could just like say hey this is now something that we offer um and just kind of like you know let it be this quiet thing that we just kind of push out there to passively work uh, or we could announce hey we will buy out your calendly uh subscription 
um, act now. And actually, we're putting a deadline out. We're going to announce it today. But Friday is going to be the, like the last day where you can take uh, advantage of that offer. So creating some scarcity around it, right? But we could also um, we could also launch this as like an event later in the year again, and say, hey, for the month of um, December, before you re, you know re-up your annual Calendly subscription. Um, you can, you know, move over to Savvy Calendly. We'll credit your subscription for whatever you have remaining uh, from from Calendly. And then now it's like this big event where people have to pay attention to that. They have to take action now. There's some urgency. There's some scarcity. Um, same thing with a user user uh, username reservation. Um, so it makes me think like maybe there's some opportunities to sort of like make an event out of mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the concierge migration or to package it up in different ways of maybe you. Um, uh, you know, offer it to different audiences at different times, or you partner up with uh, consultants or other people sort of in the email marketing world who might be willing to sort of um, partner with you on something like that. Uh, it could even just take a couple of different forms of um, maybe just like a one-time thing that you do every quarter of, uh, hey, you know, we'll take like a limited number of applications and we'll not only transfer you but we'll also do like an audit for you right and then maybe mm-hmm. there's some some urgency there of oh well i was even thinking um you know when derek got me set up on, on the user list i was like man i wish we had something somewhere else that way i could take advantage of the free con- you know concierge migration that way i don't have to do all the work of setting it up but if you can if you have like a recurring or like a uh, uh not recurring but if you do that multiple times right you could catch someone later that you didn't catch the first time right of okay applications are open up again or um even partner with someone else like ali bloom or blum bloom ali blum, blum. uh val blum. geisler <laughs> okay, blum. um things like that so it makes me think like maybe that same offer can just be packaged in a lot of different ways at different times in front of different audiences yeah we should totally do that because it also solves this um this problem of creating uh switch moments for people because it's right. not like it's not a walk in the park to decide to abandon your esp like yes. <laughs> and and therefore those media like media opportunities that you create they can really encourage those moments to happen yeah we should thanks for the great advice yeah yeah just just one idea i mean so uh i'll i'll, I'll stop t- talking now but if you have other questions for me but i would love to just to kind of get an interview or an overview of like how are things going for you guys? Like, what's what's new and top of mind for things at UserList? Well, um, UserList uh, has been doing great. We're approaching the end of, well, not approaching, but uh, we're way into the second half of uh, the Tiny Seed Accelerator batch. That's right. So yeah. it's all everybody is like heads down and working, mm. and uh, we had a. I personally did a huge round of customer interviews uh, in December, which led to me being personally burnt out in the first days of January as a result, <laughs> because I just uh, it was so many conversations and uh, it was, you know, ups and downs of, uh, oh, this is exciting. Oh, like, we're never going to get this going because like, look what people are doing with their email. Like, we <laughs> we're don't stand a right. chance. It's like a mere you know flick on their product agenda like uh, we asked people for example what what's on their uh, agenda for the next few months etc and 
it's never like we're gonna sit down and redo our user onboarding. Well, that's not right. the case. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's growth, it's customer acquisition, things like that, and. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's and it's also very interesting to see how many founder types are there, like how many business models are there, and uh, it's really great. So based on that huge round of research, uh, we had a few uh, product discussions and um, decided that in twenty twenty one we'll be we'll be making a pretty big product. Um, um, not the pivot, but expansion, I guess. We'll be mm. opening up uh, user list for marketing email. So before that, you could only it. use it for handling a customer email after they sign up. And now you'll be able to do this uh, like full cycle. And basically we are like signing our own sentence of becoming a full-blown ESP here. Mm-hmm. And if I were told like five years ago that I'm going to be building ESP, I would be like, oh no, like Benedict, like <laughs> we're not building ESP. Sure, no, no, no. And there we are. Like, uh, basically, the agenda for the next few months is to transition to NSP. The good news is that um, traditional email software is a little bit uh, faster to set up. So, like, with the forms and, like, fill out, uh, fill that out and you're done. And uh, also, it will be able to replace, like, Drip or ConvertKit or MailChimp, whatever people have, as opposed to being an additional purchase on their, like ledger of software used uh, so um, right. we're excited about making that happen um, and most interestingly we do have you know all the functionality already in place we do have the broadcasts we do have like email automation the only things that are missing is basically the um, like double opt-in and maybe the forms themselves that um, mm make the ESP, uh, the email provider, but everything else after that is already in place. So it's not it's not a pivot, it's more like expanding us to bigger horizons. And of course, we're both very excited about it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what we're thinking about these days. <laughs> really, really exciting. I think that's 100% the right move in direction and exactly what I would go tell you to do on the product side from a, a user perspective. Um, <laughs> It's funny because Derek and I were actually talking about it the other day, and uh, you know I was telling him about how when I was at Barometrics, you know we were using Intercom uh, largely. Uh, we also had ConvertKit, um, and then we moved over, over to Help Scout. But then like we didn't really have, you know, we then we went with the whole like Barometrics messaging thing of trying to build out the, a messaging product, which was very very difficult, <laughs> and uh, from my perspective, mostly a waste of time to be honest because it's such a huge task like you're saying and um but it was so interesting because thinking about thinking back on it it's like why convertkit i think we actually paid more for convertkit than we did for intercoms like email automation product but Mm -hmm. we got 10 times more value out of uh the you know intercom sort of email automation product but we just couldn't use intercom for that purpose so we had to have this ginormous list elsewhere that we could send a you know email marketing broadcast to and consolidating that i think is actually a really compelling value proposition for companies uh for everything to be in one place to lower that bill sort of also unlocks a lot of interesting opportunities because then you know more about your customers and you can sort of follow them through the journey um, you know, more from beginning to end. Um, and and it also, I think, is probably more, I mean, you can tell me, but it sounds like you realize this in the customer research process, like this is probably how people are 
trying to use it anyways. <laughs> like I find myself trying to use it that way for, for savvy Cal as well. Of like where, you know, we send in these monthly update emails and I'm asking him, Hey, like, do you have like a wait list somewhere? And he's like, well, I have it over on MailChimp. And I'm like, well, it's kind of, you know, a little bit of a bummer that like we, we should just have an ability to, you know, are the customer, the not customer, if the customer include this, this little section, if not customer include that section and things like that. Right. So, uh, really, really excited for you guys. Thank you so much. Yes, all my uh, SaaS email in one place was the phrase that I personally heard multiple times. Uh, and it's really fascinating when you hear the same phrase verbatim a few times. That's really right. awesome. And another surprise was hearing the name HubSpot come up more than I thought founders mm -hmm. would use it for their marketing needs. And what, uh, and Everybody admits that it's like not the most fascinating piece of software, but it's the all-in-one uh, angle that uh, makes it so convenient because it's a CRM and you can also store all the conversations in there. Well, that's kind of the same angle why, why Intercom is uh, successful to a certain extent. Right. And uh, yeah, that uh, we're not, of course, building HubSpot and we're not building, you know, support conversations, which was one of the other things that we could have potentially considered mm. but uh, that's not the direction we want to go uh, yeah that was the theme of, of those interviews is that founders do enjoy having some of that consolidated and uh, maybe we can pursue this opportunity there are also a few interesting things that happening in the software world for example did you know that Mixpanel can send uh, messages <laughs> I did. Yeah. I knew that for a long time, but I didn't know anyone who actually used it that way. But they did, they also just shut it down, right? Yeah, they're sunsetting it and uh, that's going to happen in January 2022. And oh, wow. they already named like their their best best recommended software and useless is not one of them, but mm. uh, it's still a media opportunity slash, I don't know, marketing opportunity for us to pursue. Absolutely. And also Intercom themselves, um, what they did, they published like a visual builder that costs enormous amount of money on their plan mm -hmm. and but they still have their campaigns running but as far as i know uh those campaigns are going to be shutting down sometimes like in three months really? or something i might be wrong about the three months part but uh it's definitely their agenda to like sunset them and to make everyone use uh, the expensive workflow stuff and that wow. workflow stuff is like uh, it's measured in hundreds, thousands, something dollars, and that's not very bootstrapper friendly. So that's another opportunity the... for us. <laughs> wow, Intercom's um, Intercom's evolution has been really fascinating because obviously they're successful, but they're just they're they're actually like shrinking their customer base probably. Uh, unnecessarily, it feels like. Um, it, I don't know. It's it's been so interesting. Like we, you know, we had a lot of frustrations uh, with them at Bare Metrics because the cost just kept increasing and the pricing kept getting more and more complicated and complex, and it just didn't feel like there's a really difficult, like psychological phenomenon when you have to keep paying more, especially when there's some sort of price increase more than once a year but you don't feel like you're getting more value. And that is a really jarring sensation where you feel like you're being taken advantage of a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me wonder like who, I don't know why, why would they intentionally, you know, 
leave these people in the dust a little bit of like, well, we're just going to move this part of the product over here. And then it's going to have this ginormous sticker pr uh, price. And that's just like the reality. That's just it. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> of those the, customer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it feels like there has to be some sort of compromise is what I'm trying to, I'm trying to say. I'm sure, but I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. And also uh, as someone who runs um, such, such products from, from the inside and I should say the Benedict runs the technical side, but uh, I'm also watching the like server costs and everything that's related to that. And uh, mm. like we all should be kinder to this kind of businesses, like uh, that process right. data at scale, because useless is early and we can already watch that happening. And I can't even imagine what's happening like at uh <laughs> they're like in inside their developer house and what's uh, right. like how they're managing all that data throughout the year so they might be doing something that's optimal for their costs hmm. that might not look nice to the users so there must be some good reasoning uh like be kinder to businesses <laughs> right it's true yeah it's uh what is it some sort of law or razor or something fancy but it's you know, don't attribute malice to what is probably, uh, you know, something either it's a mistake or oversight or, but it's also probably just, there's always a good reason, right? There's a little bit of, uh, goodness in every seemingly evil action. <laughs> it's one of my favorite exercises when somebody comes to me with like, I know my husband or, um, co-founder something complaining about something. And then it's interesting to try and imagine yourself being that party and yeah think what they think about the situation how they're they they must have a ton of like uh, a wonderful story of justifying themselves because like we all do like we all write from mm. <laughs> our own perspective so it's pretty interesting right like th there is a good story being told whether that story is true or not is sort of up for debate but it's not probably not as evil and malicious as most people you know put it out to be <laughs> it's not don't assume the worst just kind of like the the theme yeah yeah well that's fascinating yeah i think uh like i said that the direction is definitely on point um i'll be curious to hear in another five years if uh you you just maybe jinxed yourself saying that you're never going to build in the support features and the, the crm <laughs> features and <laughs> maybe in five years come back on and uh be like well 2026 we are deciding to become the all-in-one uh intercom basically <laughs> go in that direction well, I'm definitely not saying anything ever, like never saying never. Right. <laughs> That's dangerous, really dangerous, like never say that. So let's see what the thing, what the journey takes us for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Cool. Well, anything else like new in your world or the top of mind for you or uh, any updates um, going into February? We are kicking off the second season of better done than perfect so that should go out in the Amazing. next few weeks and if you are i'm gonna do a bit of promotion here if you're up for a very high quality lovely uh show uh then head over to useless.com podcast and we have some nice guests uh scheduled for the season we're gonna talk about customer success awesome that's the theme is customer success for the second yeah. uh, second season yeah, for example, Alex Hillman uh, talks about info products because that's his mm. uh, domain. And right. we're a podcast for SaaS founders, but it's amazing how many lessons we can borrow from info products. And we can also leverage info products for 
with sass success so it's double-edged sword yeah i love that that's amazing like that's <laughs> everything that i love i'm like oh what can we take into this industry how can we how can we mix these ideas and um alex is also a really smart guy so i look forward to hearing his uh, his episode and how it compares to what he told me on, on my we talked about something entirely different uh but he's just a wealth of knowledge yeah another interview i'm looking forward to is the one with uh, megan of um meet edgar and we had her colleague mm. christine on the first season and we talked about user onboarding but they do have like an amazing public facing role of a customer success person who does like all the webinars video training and hmm. i'm pretty fascinated laura roder is like said to be the queen of strategic delegation so this person um her name is megan mcmullen uh, she's uh coming on to the show and she'll be sharing like uh, how that uh, how that all works so that we can all get inspired and get uh, get customer success uh like public uh, public face uh for our own SaaS. that's really amazing in my opinion right yeah that's fascinating well man maybe i'll have to have her on my po- my podcast as well eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be some good uh i'll have to listen to that and pick out some insights and pick out some more questions for her but yeah that, that's awesome how, how many episodes are going to be in the next season thinking 10 so the first one okay. was 10 yeah. um and it was eight but i uh, suddenly overbooked because it was like i couldn't say no uh, basically <laughs> a couple times and then now it's 10 per season but yeah it's fun i love it yeah that's really cool cool well good well, luck um, with your with your show launch it will be all cheering along thank you so much yeah really really looking forward to it um i'll have uh, i'll send you a link once it's live and um appreciate it yeah it's gonna be a fun week yeah well thanks for having me here great pleasure talking to you today Corey. absolutely jane thanks so much um i'll have the links in the show notes for some of the things you mentioned as many as i can remember as well as well as links to uh user lists better done than perfect uh ui breakfast and uh in your personal twitter as well so people can follow you along absolutely all right we'll talk later thank you